You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Everybody and welcome to episode sixty-five of Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel, and I'm Josh. And we've come up with a new way to create revenue for the podcast. You pick any five of our shows for free, and then every month we're going to send you another one in a plain brown envelope. That if you accidentally open it, you're going to owe us nineteen ninety-five. Ah, we're like a new Columbia house. Yes, that's what mm. I was going for—the Columbia record and tape. Yes. So if Josh hasn't dropped a uh, big hint, what we're talking about is music formats and portable players. From It probably says it on the file. When Wait a minute. It. Wait a minute. You're well, not Matthew. No, I'm not. <laughs> That's right. We did, we, <laughs> yeah. we did promise. Uh, you prom- Yeah, we promised my brother, but uh, unfortunately I made it. <laughs> it took a death in the family, but I was able to get here on time. So Not for the not for the wake. No, not for the wake, but I'm going to be here for the funeral tomorrow. But yep. I don't want to talk about that. Okay. No. So. Let's talk about musings of a geek podcast network yes let's talk about them because they are part of our network and they have lots of great uh podcasts on that we should you guys should listen to and josh has his list that he's <laughs> oh, not josh been. absolutely has his list let's go We've got, Mike definitely doesn't have it <laughs> i don't have the list i'm just gonna say the same three ones over and over again <laughs> uh in addition to the shows that we pimp every single week there's also sad robot radio red horse radio the media feed that'll play Hard to Swallow, Outlandish Conversations, Salty Language, The Comic Roast, Geek Dig, and The Night Beard Show. Night Beer? Night Beard Show. Oh, Night Beard. I, I think neck we've beard, talked about them before. Not the Wait. Neck Beard Show. Oh. <laughs> That's on a different network. So there's that. What the hell just happened? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Did Josh go away again? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Gee, he's here. Okay. So, yeah. So, if you want to uh, listen to our back catalog, you can find us on Geek Life Radio. You can find us at Musings of a Geek Network on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, or if you want to call in and give us some feedback, it's 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yeah, and when you go to that uh, Geek Life Radio, you'll find us, not live, but recorded every Saturday at noon. Yes. Listen while you vacuum your floors. Or whatever it is you do in the middle. Every Hopefully time you talk food. about your weekends, I get sad. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to sm- <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how he's going to hear the podcast over the vacuum. I don't know. Maybe hit up Bed Bath & Beyond or World Market. I don't know. We could get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Change the linens. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good weekend. I don't know if we should go with the Hunter Green bedspread or the... Uh... I think beige. We'll paint the ceiling beige. Oh, God. Give it a nice stucco pattern. Ooh, don't get too wild there. Stucco and beige. Oh, my. All right, oh, now that we've... my. Now, do you hear that? That's thousands of podcasts stopping right now as we're going... <laughs> All right, listener feedback. Hey, I hear we have some voicemails. We have some voicemails. We have some emails and at least one pertinent comment on the Facebook page. Ooh. Where would you like to start, Michael? Uh, let's start with a pertinent comment. All right. 500, the, Alex. Uh, Brian Farrell says... Nothing. It's on Facebook. Are we supposed to read it? He sings the sound. The song. <laughs> Damn it! 
Ah, we'll fix it in post. Singing, <laughs> singing the no, we won't. Sounds of uh, silence. Okay. Brian Farrell says, did you guys see tonight's South Park? It was about Magic the Gathering and even included the words fucking chicken. <gasps> Whoa. What? Yeah. Uh, the, the episode was named Cock Magic. And uh, what I think is awesome is they just released the uh, invitees for the next Magic the Gathering Pro Tour. And right at the bottom, by special invite, is Kenny McCormick. Really? From South Park, Colorado. Nice. Mm. That's thought awesome. that was pretty cool. Yeah, they actually sent an official uh, letter to Comedy Central and South Park uh, tweeted it. So, yes, we saw it. Uh, basically, the, uh, this whole month, South Park has been of great interest to me as uh, talking about magic and then this last episode talking about streaming video games. Good stuff. Cool. Thanks, yeah, Brian. I mean, yeah, yeah, their writing is, is still spot on. Tommy the Duck nails it home. So, Mike, you got that uh, got that email from Jane ready? Let's see what Jane says. Oh what does Jane say? If you have sensitive ears. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, yeah, drink some water first. Get your- yeah, hang on here. By the way, Jane, I love you still. So, All right. <coughs> Jane says, I should skull fuck you guys with a corn cob for getting Winchester Cathedral stuck in my head. <laughs> well, that's about right. <coughs> Yeah, that's a fair cop. Yeah, can't can't argue it. Uh, also, I completely disagree with your analysis of the Dark Knight Rises as being a weak link in the trilogy. I know I'm the minority, but Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker just annoyed me. To me, Bane is an infinitely more interesting and realistic villain. The Joker may have been terrifying to some, but just came off as goofy to me. I can't take a bad guy seriously if the goof factor is too high. I just couldn't take the character seriously. <laughs> the hell was that? I think the tickle monster just got him. Ugh. Sorry, I came back. I, I died for a moment. I'm back. <laughs> Ultimately, I believe that Ledger's death contributed to his performance being hailed as groundbreaking. As soon as they found his corpse, they knew that his Joker would be forever immortalized as the Batman villain in the trilogy. As he lived, maybe we could have gotten another glimpse of him in a third movie. I suspect, though, that this would have been a letdown, considering this would oversaturate the franchise with one bad guy and expose the flaws few to care point out in the original interpretation. I'm not sure how there could have been a showdown between Joker and Two-Face, considering Two-Face character was killed in the second film. Having the character come back to life via movie magic would seem too much of a cheat. Keep up the adequate work, gentlemen. Oh, that's awesome. That's getting around. And Jane. <laughs> P.S. I'm totally serious about the whole skull-fucking thing, forgetting that song stuck in my head. P.P.S. Hi, Joel. All right. Hey, well, we, hey, 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 I don't have a problem with someone skull fucking me uh, with a corn B, cob. Well, yeah, whatever. You know, um, B, there actually was talk of them resurrecting Two Face at one point. So, well, it I mean, wasn't. It like, wasn't they were resurrecting Two Face because he died. They had to change that he couldn't be in the next one, so that the ending. No, no, they, they were going. Changed. They were. There was talk that they were going to say, "Oh, he didn't actually die," and like open up and, and on a hotel or on a hospital room and blah blah blah. Oh, oh. God. Don't do it, Mike. God damn it. <laughs> That's for you, Jane. Okay. On the subject of Heath Ledger as Joker, I do agree that there is some element of he died, so his performance has been elevated in light of the fact that he's not with us anymore. I will concede that point. However, I think you can't discount the fact that his performance was so completely different from what most people who weren't familiar with his whole catalog expected. If they'd just seen him in A Knight's Tale... Or just seen him where he was basically the pretty boy. Maybe they'd seen him start to spread his wings. 
uh, in uh, Brokeback. I was going to say Brokeback Mountain. Oh. But oh, yeah. uh, even considering that, he came, he went in a totally different direction, much darker when people were questioning whether he could pull the role off at all or not. Uh, and right. I think the unexpectedness of it has to be given its due. I, I won't discount the fact that uh, art is appreciated more when the artist dies. That's totally a thing. But I, I don't think that's the only factor going on there. Not, not at all, because, I mean, I think even if he had lived this, this performance, I mean, you know, somebody turning into, you know, just because somebody doesn't get the opportunity to turn into a, a fat parody of themselves a la Elvis Presley, it doesn't discount their their early work or anything. So, I mean, even if he had, you know, not died and go, and grown up to be, you know, I don't know, like a Marlon Brando type or whatever, that wouldn't say that that wouldn't make his performance in this movie any less great and now i'm depressed i didn't die young enough to not become a fat parody of myself (laughs) but we still have that picture of you with the ice bucket on your head (laughs) all right uh we have uh three voicemails Uh, we've been off even though our show has been updating once a week we've been away for a bit so these have been allowed to collect in the queue uh so they're all from you the Q, yes. That's British. Orange <laughs> Q, Q, Q. Uh, from Peg Leg Pete. Hey, 40 go non sports. Hi, this is Peg Leg Pete. Um, so I'm listening to the Batman episode where you're talking about the comics. And specifically, you're talking about the old comics from the 50s and 60s. And you're talking about how bad they are and how ridiculous the girl characters are and how. That girl can't say Batman because she's got a run in her tights. Well, uh, I am and uh, have been for some time a big fan of the Green Arrow. Uh, like, even back before the TV show, I was talking about how awesome uh, Oliver Queen and his dudes were. And they did one of those uh, giant uh, black and white, you know, mammoth collection books of all of the stuff from the 50s. And let me tell you, back in those days, uh, the Green Arrow stuff was basically Batman in a Robin Hood costume, which is fantastic for me because he was doing all of the same stuff Batman was doing with one notable exception. Um, so, like, he had the arrow signal that was like a big flaming arrow that they, they would shoot off of the roof and he would go and solve crimes and stuff. But what he flew around in and I'm not making this up because it's fantastic. Uh, Green Arrow, on his way to go soft crimes, would fly around in the arrow plane, <laughs> which is fantastic to me. I love it. But the girl characters are really, really, you know, it's, it's from a feminism standpoint, it's bad because there's a character they invented for that called Arrowette who wants to, like... She's in love with Green Arrow, but she can't ever do anything right, and she's always getting into trouble, and all that kind of ridiculous stuff. But uh, I like them because they're campy and ridiculous, and you can't see that kind of stuff anymore. Sort of like uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon show, which I haven't gotten to your uh, TV Batman episodes yet, but that's probably in there because it's great. Uh, anyway, I've been talking for too long now, and so I will go. I will send and talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Delightful uh, comment there comparing the campiness of those early 30s, 40s, and like even into the 50s era books with uh, Brave and the Bold. That is something, as by now you probably already know, that we picked up on. 
So would that superhero then, if he got on drugs, would would it be Arrowin? I need a cricket noise on my soundboard. No, don't worry. I just hung up on him. Oh, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> he did. I, I I don't think he knows how to get back on the call, Mike. Uh, <laughs> yes, he does. It's busy. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard I couldn't reconnect. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Oh, God. All right. We have more thoughts from Peg Leg Pete. Hey, what are you going on, 14? This is Peg Leg Pete. And uh, something I've been meaning to call in about but forgot, but I'm remind, remembering to call in about it now. This involves the peanut butter and miracle whip thing and how people think no. it's gross. I have a version of that that everybody that I know thinks is terrible until I make them eat it, and then they love it. And that is peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. The more dill the pickle, the better the sandwich, which actually kind of sounds like a really dirty innuendo, but it's not. It's the truth. Peanut butter pickle sandwich is really good. Also, peanut butter honey sandwich is really good. Uh, if you want to be really decadent, you do peanut butter, honey, and banana, but that's more than most people can handle, so that doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, peanut butter and pickle. Do it. Talk to you guys later. Bye. I'm not peanut butter, that. pickle, and honey. <laughs> I've had all of those except for peanut butter and pickle, and you know what? I am adventurous enough to try it. Well, you've eaten Good luck to you, peanut sir. butter and Miracle Whip. I mean, can't catch much fart weirder than that. Yeah. Well, no, <clears throat> I, okay, I have a friend that just introduced me to something. She was swearing up and down, uh, my friend Allison, about this, this snack that she you know used to eat when she was a kid, and so she prepared it for me. It was bananas and mayonnaise with Spanish peanuts on it. Bananas and pajamas. <laughs> Wait, so how, so how did you I, like that? I did not. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, hmm. Yeah. It was just too, it, it was too contrasting of, of, of textures. And <laughs> like, like the fact that it was like two similar textures and then one completely contrary texture, it was just too much. I don't know. I like, they, yeah. You know what's good with peanut butter? Is uh, I made peanut butter, marshmallow fluff, and that uh, cookie dough, cookie butter that Trader oop, Joe's has. Oop. My mom used to do peanut butter and fluff sandwiches. That was a thing back when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't like uh, them. Yeah. Fluff or nutter? Fluff and nutter. Yeah. But this I one, am, have, uh, you, have you guys had cookie dough, cookie butter? What is cookie butter? It, imagine um, <laughs> snicker. Oh, God, it's amazing. <laughs> Whoa, snickerdoodle man. cookies. Oh, man. Imagine it's being able so to so spread good. snickerdoodles on your toast. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. It's, and I know that I would like end up in the hospital if I ate it. It's amazing. It's, it's so amazing. Like, I, a thin mint Girl Scout cookie with some cookie dough on it. I mean, some cookie butter on it. Oh, yeah. Forget it. I remember coming home and you were sitting on the couch eating those with, <laughs> like, don't judge me. Pants <laughs> <laughs> on. Dipping cookies in butter. Yeah. <laughs> that is also flavored like cookies. Real butter. <laughs> that was my life, yes. Don't, All right. don't judge me, you monkeys. We got one more for a change of pace from Peg Leg Pete. <laughs> he found the redial button. Hey, before you going on 14, it's Peg Leg Pete. So I just finished listening to the uh, Batman TV episode, and you guys were talking about Gotham and how you were not especially happy with how they are uh, portraying uh, Edward Nigma. Um, and I was actually talking about this uh, with a couple friends of mine right before I listened to the show, and I didn't realize you were going to bring it up, so I thought you might be interested to hear what we had to say. Uh, we were uh, discussing it, and we decided that the the thing with uh, what they're doing with Nigma right now is that it's really interesting to us, because if it wasn't Gotham, if it was some other show, he would just be the weird, quirky science tech. Uh, to put it in another show context, um, if you imagine the the uh, Abby from NCIS, a sort of uh, gothy, spunky girl, um, it's a little bit like watching NCIS and realizing that at some point she is going to snap and turn into the Zodiac Killer. 
which I don't know if they're going to go that direction exactly. Um, I would have watched it. Then. Personally, I've always <laughs> really enjoyed the idea of the Riddler as some kind of crazy Zodiac killer type where he's just straight up murdering people and leaving these really impossible clues. Uh, and I think it kind of might happen uh, a little bit that way because where the show is right now, he is totally uh, like hero worshipping uh, Jim Gordon. And Gordon and Bullock and everybody else are just completely ignoring him and shoving him aside and treating him like a joke. Um, so I'm imagining that at some point in the next uh, season or two, he's going to snap and just turn into a crazy psychopath. Uh, and I think that would be uh, really interesting to watch, uh, to see that switch flip in him. Because right now, he's just kind of a dork that everybody just sort of ignores. Uh, but I kind of already said that. Anyway, uh, I will continue listening, and I'll talk to you guys later. Left to the front. Nice. Nice. Everybody, welcome our fourth co-host, Peg Leg Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Insightful as always, Pete. Uh, yes. It's interesting that uh, you compare Nigma to Abby because actually, Abby is one of the reasons I find that show virtually unwatchable. So, <laughs> my father um, loved that show, so I'm intimately familiar with it. And before he even said Abby, I, I, I was almost saying, you know, he's going to say Abby, and he did. Okay. Yeah, mm. I mean that's the thing. He's is he's not wrong. It's just personally, oh. their characters I both find interesting. Yeah, irritating. So it. Uh, well, it's, it's it's basically it's like it's like people who aren't intellectual nerds trying to write intellectual nerds. And okay, yeah, maybe that's it. Wait, yeah, that? they, they are nerd uh, stereotypes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I, and I, mean, I it's, don't. It's a, it's a different type of nerd being a a tech nerd than it is being a you know a, a literary nerd. Sure. Oh. Mm. Is it the one where they had the two people typing on the keyboard at the same time? Yes. Yeah. That was another scene with Abby. And, like, I find her character irritating even if you take out all of the really bad hacking scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, I don't like the non-development of her character, the fact that the things that make her supposedly unique uh, are basically a punchline. It's like, oh, look, she's trying to interact like she's people. Yeah. yeah. And I, oh, I don't look, like she, that. She, you know, she she's hyper and she drinks tons of soda. She has, you know, whatever. She can always be bought off with candy because she's just so hyper and it's ridiculously dumb. Yeah. That whole show was just stupid, though. What show? It is. Wait, and NCIS? I, I, yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I watched a, a ton of those shows with my father and trust me, they're dumb. <laughs> yeah, Although it is, an, uh, I will at least give props to the point that, yeah, everyone is ignoring Riddler and when he, he turns the corner and decides that he's going to do something that they can't ignore okay maybe he'll become a more interesting character then i reserve a hundred percent judgment i just don't care for him now but as we're starting to move away from nigma it looks like in these last couple episodes i don't want to give too many spoilers maybe by the time we get back to him he'll be more interesting i i think i think the problem with his character because i'm on like episode seven right now uh the problem with his character i think is right now he's just all exposition it's just like i mean he and, and he just he's exposition for the plot line and he's exposition for his own character development yeah well, and they've even ha- tried to have some like cute moments with him interacting with other people and they're just yeah, with, with the, what, what was her name Kristen kringle or whatever yeah and they were just painfully awkward yeah and not interesting and i don't think yeah. and it, it was it was painfully awkward not in the way that they were intending it to be painfully awkward right so. They were going for like the, the that scene in Swingers, and it just kind of came across as like uh, we are two robots that don't know how to talk to each other. Right. What are you talking about, Patrick? Oh. <laughs> 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 I think it's about that time. It is about that time. Tweet. This week in music, movies, and TV. <laughs> 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 
and sports. <laughs> you love that, don't you? That. <laughs> did you put that in there or did Joel just do that again? Joel just did that again. <laughs> I did it. Uh, All right. Funny. So this weekend, December 3rd to 9th, 1979, the year the Walkman debuted. Wow. That er- that's a lot earlier than I thought it was. Yeah. Wow. Holy crap. So uh, let's jump into music. The number one song is Please Don't Go by KC at SB. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> King Cucumber at Strong Bad. It was a big title fight. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes again. Doesn't take much, does it? I'm pretty sure Please Don't Go was actually King uh, Cucumber's entrance music. <laughs> King Cucumber. Oh my Jesus. So Casey in the yeah. Sunshine Band. Okay. Followed by <laughs> that makes more sense. Followed by Babe by S T Y X. No, that's, that's just sticks. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I want to see how long we can keep him going like this. That worked out. As number two and Escape, the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes in third. I hate that song. Oh, how can I mean, I no, I, I I love it. And once it's in your head, you can't get rid of it and you wind up singing it, but I hate it because it's like it's no uh, Winchester Cathedral. It's definitely no Winchester Cathedral. Well, plus, they're cheating on each other. And then when they realize that they're both cheating on each other, but they happen to meet each other, they're cool with it. That's the <laughs> thing that like, gets ah, me. How funny we all <laughs> Just like, and she walked in the bar and she's like, oh, it's you. And they're like, oh, isn't this a funny coincidence? You know, it's like, <laughs> we're both shitty people. <laughs> no, let's go fuck. So uh, a little bit better than that is the debut album of Motorhead called On Parole, dropped on December 8th, 1979. Nice. Then began the legend of Lemmy. Lemmy Kilmeister. Yes. On uh, 3rd of December, 1979, The Who performed a concert at Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio, as part of their first world tour since Keith Moon died. The concert was a sellout with over 18,000 tickets sold, almost 15,000 of which were for unassigned general admission seats with first-come, first-served festival seating. And even if you don't know how this ends, you can see the problem right there, can't you? Yeah. Uh, Before the show, the crowd began to bottleneck it one of the entryways the who decided to perform a late sound check some members in the crowd heard this and mistakenly believed that the concert was starting in the confusion some people in the back of the crowd began to mass rush toward the entrance pushing and shoving causing many people to get trampled or worse 26 non-lethal injuries 11 concert goers were unable to escape and were killed by asphyxiation the concert went on as planned and the band was not told until after their performance yeah. Knock, knock. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going there. Who's there? Got trampled at the... Got trampled, Got trampled at, at the... Oh, uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Like that? See that? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, so that yeah! was... A, <laughs> that was a pretty significant event in music, so... Yeah, figured. that was... I'm glad, I don't know. Wait, they waited till afterwards to tell them because I'm pretty sure that they'd be like, "We have to go home now." Yeah, you need, you guys need to go home. But then they would, then they would have had a riot. Yeah, then, then either a riot or another mass exit where more people get trampled. Yeah, right. So uh, movies ten is in the final week of its nine week run at number one, and uh, wow. nah, yeah, with that running that scene movie. and uh, knocked off by Star Trek the motion picture and. When everybody was like, what the hell are we watching? This thing's like three and a half hours long. <laughs> it's had first week take of $11,815,203. It broke Star Wars Episode Four New Hope's record for highest debut for a science fiction film. And not one booby in sight. Yeah, they were uh, still counting the money before the first show let out, and they were finished. Hmm. The end of that week. Never mind. 
<laughs> what? Oh, I got, can't all be winners. I got where you were going. It's yeah. a long movie. That's <laughs> knock knock. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So oh, TV. Dear. Three's Company, That's Incredible, and MASH are the top shows. I used to love That's Incredible. Me too. Here's a man who can stop a ceiling fan with his tongue. (laughs) Here's a man whose hair never moves. Our host, John Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Godzilla, the animated series, ends on December 8th, ending a one-year run. The movie channel, an American premium cable channel. Begins broadcasting movies 24-7 on December 1st. That was the first ever, like, you know, paid all movies 24-7. It kind of started the whole cable revolution, actually. Yeah, we had that. That was ugly for me. Not much sleep. <laughs> so so uh, much Bolero. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was Tarzan, too. Uh, December Grace 1st. Stoke. What? Oh. With the legend of Grace Duke. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly ends its three-month run on Hong Kong TV. <laughs> it stars a young CYF in the lead. Yes, uh, Carlton's Young Frankenstein. Joel, do you know who that is? Seriously? I'm guessing it was I'm... Chow Yun-Fat. There you go. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, anyway, he's awesome. He didn't make our list because he's not quite... Because he's not a music format or a music player? No, our list that we had on... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Chow Yun-Fat's actually a cassette player. Knock, knock. <laughs> so, sport. <laughs> Just slot him in somewhere between tapes and CDs. <laughs> tapes, Chow Yun-Fat, CDs. I remember when I bought my first Chow Yun-Fat. It was a fine young cannibal's. <laughs> Is Joel still here? Did he, he just leave? follows Drive you around and protects you and sings songs. <laughs> he, he is. You should, yes. you should hear his version of Why Can't I Be You by The Cure. Oh, beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Why would you choose that song of anything? Hey, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth half the time when I start talking. <laughs> <That's>, so. Okay. <laughs> you know how the rest of us feel. We don't know what's going to go in it either. <laughs> I just start talking and shit just comes out. It's going to be a corn cob. Well, hopefully. Well, anyway, sport. December 4th, 1979, the Cleveland Cavaliers retired jersey number seven, shooting guard Bingo Smith. Good old Bingo. <laughs> Bingo! And December 9th. Bingo was his name-o. Merle, <laughs> uh, Merle Breer and David Eckelberger win the mixed team LPGA event, J.C. Penny Golf Classic. Wow, Pat <laughs> tried really hard to get you with those names, and you didn't yeah. Miss. I, when I saw those names, I'm like, I gotta put those in there. <laughs> but guess which one of those is the female? Lesbian Pie Gow Association. Dave. <laughs> Merle Breer. What a horrible name. Those are some mean, sexy, mean, mean parents. Oh yeah. And for our international fans, <laughs> Jeff Boycott scores a cricket century in a limited over international. I don't know what that is. I, I only understood the word scores in that entire sentence. <laughs> the guy's name cricket, is Jeff cricket, Boycott? Cricket is the dart game. Yeah, Jeff Boycott. Wait, cricket. You know, cricket was the, always protesting everything. Cricket the dart game or cricket the one with the paddle? <laughs> It's the paddle. I was making a joke. That I, I like to pay homage to our international fans just to piss them off. Oh, knock, good. Knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, so enough of that. On to the main show. Music players and formats. Dun, 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 dun. Bum, bum, bum. All right, so over the years, music has changed. And the way we play music has changed God, about five times a decade, uh, usually with some sort of competition between one format and the other. And... uh 
We're going to start with LPs? Yeah, because for a long time, it wasn't that way. Like in our lifetime, how we listen to music and how we either carry it around with us or listen to it in our homes or cars has changed very often. But uh, pretty much from 1948 till the 60s, it was all records. Yeah. Well, it's 78s and wax cylinders. Right. And uh, Reel to Reel started in there somewhere, too. Yeah, but right. that wasn't exactly like a something you, uh, you would see somebody there and have their Reel to Reel collection. I, my, my father, you know, that stereo system I've told you about, he has that. He had a Reel to Reel collection. Wow. Wow. With a, player, mean, with, with a player and everything. He's, there's hundreds of Reel to Reel tapes. When we were talking about what sort of formats we wanted for the show, I'd managed to, like, try and combine it to our lifetimes. But I guess leaving Reel to Reel out was a mistake. Well, well just for Pat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know it's a very it's rare to have that in your home, but I mean, I grew up with a reel to reel tape in my house. And my dad played reel to reels a lot. Hmm, well, crazy. It's probably one of the most unstable formats. Um, I mean, because you think about the 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 yeah, elasticity of a cassette and how it bu- degrades over time, and that at least has a protective cover. Reel to reel. I mean, when you play it, there's really nothing. Yeah, I mean, because they just sit in a box. You know, that's, yeah. there's no like right. seal or anything. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the whole collection of his is, is deteriorated by now well and the deterioration is part of the reason why you had the lp moving on from the much larger grooved uh like 78s right the old victorians well that they weighed like 50 pounds i've got a whole stack of like like binders full of my grandmother's old lps like that i've got that again my father yeah Yeah, i've got all that too Uh, oh my mother had an antique uh cylinder record player that she got yeah yeah, there was about seven or eight of the wax cylinders all marked with the edison company i want to say she was making life-size dolls at the time one of her craft projects and traded a bunch of them for the player and the uh the cylinders nice so yeah Uh, my father didn't have those that's impressive yeah cool when i worked at val's uh records we uh we got a couple of of them in and they were neat to look at but i never had a player to actually like watch them work that'd be that'd be neat yeah and i I think that you guys had all been to the house uh in lagrange and i probably didn't even know that you'd walked past the edison record player i'm pretty sure it's still there just looks like a piece of furniture with uh with like a buffet or whatever yeah i mean it looks like a generic right right off your living room i gotta remember yeah yeah uh, when it comes to actual LPs, though, uh, do we have any like special records that are memorable to each of us? My, yes. Yes. But go ahead, Mike. I'll please. say my first, my first media purchase as a kid was an LP. Mm. You, what yeah. LP was it? Sticks Paradise Theater. Wow. And that was cool. Be- Shut up, Josh. It was. <laughs> No, I no, like sticks. No, and the, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the actual CD, the actual CD, the actual disc of it. It's the way they pressed it. There's actually almost like a hologram in it. So when if you tilt it at the right angle, there's these two. It's almost like a remember picture discs. Yes. Yeah, I got I a do. bunch. I got a bunch of. The oh old, yeah, yeah. They, they, like you could hold it, and they had a uh, like a superimposed. Yeah. Graphic. Well, they yeah. had two kinds. They had one like the like the sticks it. one. You tilted it at an angle, and there would be like the two angels, arc, you know, like two angels on either side of the disc, and you'd see them at like they look kind of holographic. But there were actual like Disney had picture discs where you'd get music and like this whole story to like Lady and the Tramp and the the record itself was pressed onto an image of the spaghetti scene. Oh cool. Yeah. I don't remember these at all. 
Yeah, we my we were like on like a Disney music like club when I was a kid, and we got these picture discs with uh, Peter Pan. I gotta find them, man. Those things belong yeah. in a frame. My family, my my father's, you know, was a huge music fan, as, as you'll learn throughout this episode through all the things that I know from him or have him. But yeah, um, so my family is always been big into music, so we've always had like checked out the latest, the newest on any kind of like music devices and stuff like that. So. But it's it's kind of cool to remember. Like I remember that when those were real popular, those picture those picture discs. I forgot all about them. That's really cool. We had, but my sister had like a dozen of them uh, at least. The picture discs. Yeah. Yeah, I still have I still have my old sticks album, and I I grew up listening to LPs because we didn't. That's what we had in the house. My mom, uh, that's where I learned to become. I was a Beatles fan because my mom has like all the Beatles forty fives and LPs up until the White Album. Yep. Which uh, one day or another, you know, she's going to get those appraised and buy another house um yeah i, yeah, I have all those as well yeah i mean it's my, yeah. father, my father's got like a had like a 5000 lp collection Wait, I also, oh, we're not I'm, talking about batman no we're not talking about, <laughs> talking about batman i also See, have uh, 80s maxi singles do you guys remember those no maxi singles yeah they were like extended editions of there were 12 inch 12 inch singles but they had like extended editions oh extended yeah, yeah. It's like a 45 another, but it was a 12 inch yeah another thing my sister collected a lot of those I personally, my first LP that I bought was uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Nice. Huh. Nice. Yeah. I figure if you're going to start, you know, that's a good starting place. See, I never bought any, and uh, the music collection that my parents had was not all that interesting. Eventually, we discovered the record player and the stacks of records, my brother and I. Uh, we discovered them upstairs, and we went through most of them and listened to everything once. But the ones that we listened to more than uh, one time... Uh, would have been the streak. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, as kids, we thought it was hilarious. Uh, the Smothers Brothers, for similar reasons, like all of their comedy. Oh, I fell yeah. in a vat of chocolate so, song. So good. Uh, and the only thing that was just non-comedy and not like Ray Stevens or anything that was actually music would have been the Beach Boys Pet Sounds, which to this day, wow. because of those memories, listening to that on vinyl, uh, it's still one of my favorite albums of all time. I can remember playing my NES, listening to that record over and over again. And it's just like as amazing as MP3s are. When we'll get we'll get to those later. Just listening to something on vinyl, it's just because there's you lose eighty percent of the tracks when you convert to MP3. So listen to something on vinyl. There's just no comparison. So uh, when I was a kid, my parents had a had a makeshift library they built and in the house, just one room with all the books and music in it, and they had a shelf just for their vinyl. My two favorite, well, my favorite record that they had was an old, it was an Empire Strikes Back. Um, it was, I don't know if it was a soundtrack, because I seem to remember the Imperial March being on it. Mm-hmm. But the artwork on it was like that really early Ralph McQuarrie designs, rather than the one that we know kind of from the, uh, you know, what they are now. Right. And I remember I used to listen to that all the time. And then the other thing we had was I had a 45 little, one of those little portable 45 players in my room. And I used to listen to, um, <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, Dead Man's Curve. Oh, weird. Well, the, the Carpenters? <laughs> yeah. Um, I used not to listen the Janet, to... Not the Dan, uh, Janet, Janet Dean? Dean no. I used to listen to the crap out of it, and I don't know why. To this day, I still don't know why. And then they had... Um, we had an Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny and the Monster Mash was the other one that I used to listen to a lot. <laughs> Um, when I was a kid, my, my mom was a, was a bit older than your parents. So, well, maybe not yours, Pat. I don't know. But um, so they were more Elvis. So my mom had uh, 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong record, and I remember listening to that. Um, hound dog specifically, but 
Yeah, my father had such, such an extensive collection that I used, you know, I used to just grab a stack of records and take it back to my room, just listen to it all the time. And I just kind of culled them down to my favorites and kept them in my room until my dad would find them and then he'd take them out of my room, put them back, and I'd slowly. Just Why can't you just have porn like normal kids? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think I bought a record though until uh, I think Takeshi Kitano or Takeshi Takeshi might have been my first record really? that I actually bought with money. I, I I remember saving up to buy Thriller. I was, I, it was a gold. I, I want to buy Thriller. I remember actually going to the record store, you know, flipping through all the all the records to try and find. Oh yeah, that was that was so much fun. You know, and then um oh another getting a record. I asked for uh Van Halen's nineteen eighty four for Christmas one year. I remember this story. <laughs> I wanted yeah, I wanted it on cassette because I had just gotten a Walkman, my first Walkman, which I still have. Um, and instead of getting it on cassette, well, they my mom had you know was handing out you know what Michael wants for Christmas, and she gave that one to my grandmother, a little bit more reserved my dad's mom and um if anybody remembers what the back of that looked like <laughs> with it wasn't so much the, you know the van halen brothers and that it was but um oh god i just lost his name what's his name david, david lee roth wrap wearing nothing but the tight pants and the scarf got me a weird look from my grandmother when i opened that one i was like awesome this is what i wanted i turned it over like hey and grandma's like it's really interesting i just <laughs> left it at that and i was like yeah it is yeah, yeah fairy i'll <laughs> yeah fruit loop I'll put it over here and not talk so, about it. Thank you for the sweater. Oh. She turns to your mom. <laughs> I think he's one of the gays. <laughs> so we're ready to move on to eight don't, tracks. Don't let him get gay on Matthew. <laughs> no, I. Well, I don't gay on Matthew. <laughs> now, with formats, are we talking about if we're talking about cover, covering LPs now? Are we talk, going to talk about them again in the current day? No, they, they, it's yeah. all in the notes. Yeah, they the, passed. the nostalgia of it. Okay, did anybody... Okay, I'm assuming Patrick, yes. Anybody own an 8-track player? Um, Actually, my family had one. Really? Yeah. We had... We well, had did Joel, I you, uh, knowing that we're not going to return to records, did you have something more to say about them? Yes. Okay. I, I um, because of working at the record store, started my own collection of vinyl because we used to listen to records there. And I kind of fell in love with the format. And so I have my collection and I actually went out and bought a record player. And now they're easy to find. You can buy them anywhere, anytime, because records, although people say they are back, they never really went away. They just kind of got tucked away in the back rooms of places and were a little less talked about. It's and like now it's here to stay. It's a it's a viable format that if you go to any record store and you look for the latest album from whatever the independent artist is or uh, underground or whatever, they'll have a copy on CD and a copy on vinyl. And that's almost a way a legitimate as a legitimate format for uh, demos and, and first time records from people that are self-produced as they are CDs were cassettes were back when we were in college. Um, it's it's the format that people really are never seem to get tired of. And I, as, I, as I said you know, earlier, other than you know, I mean, it's it's great for its overall stability. You know, it'll last longer than in, you know than any kind of film based recording device. And the fact that you can you can record so many tracks. I mean, you every single instrument, every single voice, every single everything can have its own track on a record, whereas that's just not possible. And, and so, I mean, the sound is so rich. If you have the right type of equipment, you really can't beat it. Plus, who doesn't love the artwork? True. Sure. Yeah. There's something I'm, to be um, said for having a 12 inches worth of artwork. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 That's what she wow. said. Anyway, I just wanted to say that I love sure. my vinyl and I love listening to it on record. It makes me happy. That's all. I am looking up, uh, since you talk about the recurrence of um, vinyl again, uh, Lazaretto 
by Jack uh, Jack White from the White Stripes. Oh yeah, I had heard that that was on uh, vinyl. De- yeah, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, selling 138 thousand copies in its first week the vinyl sold 40,000 copies which sets the record for the most vinyl sales in one week for an album since they started tracking them in 1991 40,000 copies on vinyl in one week so and before that it was uh, the vinyl version of vitology from pearl jam which was 34,000 so i mean I people remember, are... I remember when that came out and joel uh, bought it on cd actually yep. brought, yeah brought it to the campus and we listened to it yeah i i mean it's and i have uh Weren't you up till midnight that night to get it? Yep, yep. I went with Sarah Franks to, um, oh, what was it? What's the name of the record store on the corner of, uh, crap. Rolling Stone? Rolling Stone. Valhalla. No, it wasn't Valhalla. <laughs> it might have been Rolling Stone, but she and I went and stood in line and, and got it. So. All was right. It Rolling Stone? No, Vitology. All right. So now are we ready to move on to A-Trash? Yes, yes. Thank you. All right. So, yeah, at least in one of the automobiles that my father had growing up, we had an eight track player, but I only remember one eight track tape. And I remember because I really wanted to listen to it because there was a naked chick on the cover. It was the soundtrack to In Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, I thought it was 1984 by Van Halen. Nope. uh, (laughs) The soundtrack to one of the lamest Bond films ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But th- that is pretty much my entire memory uh, of eight tracks. Just like looking at the album cover with the naked chick on it and wanting to uh, wanting to hear what the music was all about. Wanted to hear they how sexy her. she was. I think my only real experience with eight tracks is for some reason in my house there was one, and it was in my house from the time I remember till the time I moved out, and it was a copy of Queen's News of the World. And I don't know why it was there. There was nothing to play with, but it existed, and I'm still—I have it still. It's in a box behind me. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Never had a track. Yeah, me either. I've got plenty of those too. I've listened to them, but I've never. Were th- was there any sort of like? Uh, I mean, what was the big draw of it? I think the draw was <clears throat> that the players in both cars and homes were uh, cheap for a few years, so they were a commercial success until cassettes took over. And they held a lot of information, so you could, you know, you could get like two albums worth of information on those. And it was more portable, too. I mean, it, even yeah. though they built record players into some cars, uh, briefly, an 8-track player you could put in a car and it would play and it wouldn't skip. And But the, the whole format itself is flawed because there's, what, no fast-forward, right? You could only go between tracks, right? Um, and, and like, and like, especially on the portable ones, if you, if they got bumped, just you know, almost any kind of bump at all would you know it, it would pop it to a different track. So you'd be in the middle oh. of a song, and you'd be in the middle of <laughs> rocking out to a song, and you hit a pothole, and so you're on the next song. <laughs> you're like it's rock and roll to Stairway to Heaven. Yep. Like, in a oh. long time. To- what the hell? <laughs> yep. Exactly. Crazy. Train. Drink. Grazie <laughs> Osborne. Okay. So after that, enrolled. The cassette. The cassette. Uh, so we, we're, we've moved on from 1948 to 1965 to about 1971 is when the cassette really started to take off, at least for music, because it existed before then. But until they got uh, a lossless uh, process, uh, it was basically just for dictation and it was not good for music. You said dick. It's kind of the smarter version of the 8-track, really. The smaller, smarter version. Yeah. Well, and you were able to record onto it. Right. Yeah, I had a little portable uh, tape recorder, and I had, like, this really stupid, like, audio diary. I would constantly wander <gasps> around talking into it. Was it was it the Fisher-Price, like, the gray one? Can we hear it? Oh, wanna... I'm sure that the tapes are long gone. Like, I, I wouldn't even know if they exist physically anymore. Them. 
I want to. But mine uh, it, it wasn't a Fisher Price, but it was fairly cheap, and I don't know, probably a little fatter and a little shorter than a bread box ish. <laughs> <laughs> what was bread, that? Bread what? Bread what, man? A little smaller, <laughs> shorter, and fatter than Brad. Brad, Brad who? So yeah, I was going between a loaf of bread and a bread box, and I realized that uh, I had to choose box because I started with the word bread. <laughs> uh, incidentally, bread was on a track and cassette. Anyway, it's true. Did yeah, now? Did you guys get pulled into the Columbia Record and Tape Company? Yes. Oh God, yes. Several, several times. My parents did. Iterations and- what? More than once? Oh yeah. I, I at one point had four of them going just to get enough music that I you know, and then all you all, all you do is just you know everything that comes in you just write do not return or uh said return to sender and just throw it right back in the mail and, and then they call you up and get all pissy with you and then you just open it up with a different name you like, use a different middle initial or something they actually Did would you call get you kicked in the head <laughs> well if anybody could juggle them it would be him yeah i was a little con artist when i was young remember yeah plus you know patrick started amway like four times <laughs> <laughs> yep and herbal life so cassettes this this was the predominant method of listening to music when I was growing up because I oh got CDs didn't come out until when? Well, I don't think I ever bought a CD till about ninety one, but they were around, just not very much yet. Yeah, I mean they were working on them in the late seventies, and they mm. debuted in nineteen eighty three. Actually, the CD is going to be the one weird spot where we don't go quite chronologically, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, so cassettes, yes, yes, cassettes. The coolest thing, the best thing I like buying was that brick of Koss cassettes in the different colors. Oh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because yeah. that, you know, that, that was this was kind of the beginning of pirating. Yeah, really, because, you know, for, for decades, you know, music was out there, but you would only the only way you could listen to it on your own without listening to the radio was to go and buy their pre-made whatevers. Yeah, and or make a mold of the, the, of the record, record, you know. Anything. Yeah, and this and it, also made the, the debut of the mixtape. Oh, my gosh, my lifeblood, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that when mixtapes, honestly, that was one of the one of the things I loved about it because I got one of those cool uh, record player with the cassette tape built in, the all-in-one stereo system, and then I could put the record on and record it. And you know, let's I had like like you, Pat. I had this huge collection of records at home that I my my parents had had, and to be able to actually put them in a cassette player and listen to it out on the road, that was nice. Yep. Yep. Making mixtapes, going to the library, checking out. That's that was the other big thing I did. Go to the library, and you can check out records, bring them home, copy them on cassette tape. I vaguely remember that when I got my first set, because I think all my first cassettes were from a Columbia record and tape company. Uh, there were some that were obvious to me, like I was going to get Bruce Springsteen born in the USA. Uh, I was going to get uh, Striper, of course. Of course. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne, Bark at the Moon. And then all of a sudden, like immediately, I started like grabbing soundtracks to movies that looked interesting because they had a lot of different songs. So like that's where I got my first cassette of Lost Boys soundtrack. Um, I got the soundtrack for like Rocky Four, the soundtrack for St. Elmo's Fire. Hmm. And then I started reaching. I think I got, uh, oh, like, what was El DeBarge? What? <laughs> Just for were, Rhythm were of the Night? In the when you got that one? To the beat of the rhythm of the night. 
And like I tried to listen to the rest of the album, and I'm just like, no, I'll just go back and listen to Rhythm of the Night again. <laughs> Rhythm of the Night. I think I got Gloria Estefan too. Oh, I hate Gloria Estefan. So like, hey. looking hate at her. looking at Gloria Estefan and the soundtracks, and then like Ozzy Osbourne, they must have thought I was <laughs> schizophrenic. Well, this, <clears throat> this yeah, my musical taste out. hasn't changed. Yeah, I'm the same way. If somebody shuffled through my iPod, they would wonder what the hell was going on in my head. The hell's this song about the boy wonder? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. Um, yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm right. Cassettes was my my that was my format, and I yes, I fell prey to the Columbia House debacle uh, when my friend Josh, well, not you, Josh, but my friend Josh that I grew up with, the Ginger Josh, um, he he bought some from the Columbia House at one point, and I was like, oh my gosh, you can get like ten tapes for a penny or whatever. I'm sold, so I immediately, of course, signed up, and I don't remember all the ones that I got, but I remember regretting it. And I think I'm still on their list somewhere. I think they keep selling my my information to another collection agency, and I probably owe like a billion dollars now. But anyway, um, that's what I still have outside of CDs. The, the second largest collection of music I have is on cassette. Yeah, I remember when we first met, you were holding off on buying CDs because you had so many cassettes already. I mean, I had a small little collection, but not very many. But yeah, for that exact reason. And and uh, plus with cassettes, I mean, the, the whole mixtape thing, and I hate to say it, as much as I love CDs, and I, I of course, have a shit ton of them, uh, burning a, a sound, a CD mixtape is not the same. Um, the interaction to, to create it, the, the way it sounds, everything about it is... It's not quite the same. It's not as organic. It, it's, there was so much planning to making a to making a cassette mixtape. Yes, you know and now remember, it's just click remember, and drag. Remember when you used to have to make them when you were really young by recording things off of the radio and stuff like every now and then there'd be like the DJ intro that you'd you'd record. You're like, damn it, because they yes. would talk over the music all the time. That's how I used to uh, avoid having to listen to the radio all the time to hear my favorite song. Is I'd let it record overnight while I was sleeping, and then uh, the next day I would wake up and I would listen to it and I'd pick and I'd fast forward to the songs that I wanted and I'd pick them out. That's smart because I remember having to sit there for like hours just waiting for them to play the song. You're like, come on, God damn it. Check out the big brain on Joel. Anyway, yep. um, I love my cassettes and I, I used to carry around a giant ass thing of them in my car and would listen to them. I mean, that... Uh, I always have a soft spot in my heart. I mean, all the band stuff I did in college is on cassette. Um, and it's, I, I miss it as a format, but at the same time, it was kind of junky and, uh, CDs and LPs are the way to go. So round sure. discs. Hmm? I said round discs. Well, and I think one of the things that made it so popular is the, our first real portable players. You've got the boombox and the Walkman, uh, the boombox, uh, first got popular right around 1975 and then the Walkman was released in 1979 and if, 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 real quick before we move on to the boomboxes I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Kasingles <laughs> again with the oh Kasingles. sure because I mean I, I loved those when I DJed in high school I, I lived on Kasingles so it was it was like the cassette version of 45s they were awesome uh, at the record store I think I told the story already but we used to write them as CS 45s uh, <laughs> when we sold them and we had the whole thing of them behind the, the counter I own I think one cassette single no two i have metallica because it had bread fan as the b-side which is a great cover of a budgie song and then uh i have doctor in the tardis from by the time lords from 1986 and that's the only two cassette singles i have i used to hate those when, when we had to sell them at the record store they were the bane of my existence i'm gonna listen to the whole album stop buying a song listen to the whole album <laughs> not as bad 
pocket I rockers. Listening, or I, I got rid of all of mine, so I don't know. I don't know. I had I had to have had like two or, two or three hundred of them. I'm wow. pretty and, sure and, I only had one. And it was just well. such a waste of money because if you just spent twice as much, you would have got the entire album. <laughs> yep. You're buying one song for the price of half the album. It's like two fifty. Anyway, what yeah, one did you I'm have, saying. Josh? Oh, mine was Bohemian Rhapsody. I can get behind that, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure the B-side was The Show Must Go On. I thought maybe it was the A and B-side. They're like, I see a little flip the cassette over now. Hey, that happened all the time. Actually, but, I, could, I could tell you guys a stupid story if we want to go back to LPs real quick. When I first started when I first started DJing at the clubs in Chicago, um, uh, American Pie was on 45, and I put it on because I had to go to the bathroom. I'm like, it's a seven-minute song. I got time to run to the bathroom and come back. Well, I go to the bathroom. I get out. Song's still playing. I run upstairs real quick to start flirting with a waitress somebody comes up to me he's like dude you need to get downstairs i run down there it's just complete silence i didn't realize that you had to flip the thing over (laughs) (laughs) because it was on 45 so like halfway through the song you just cut out (laughs) and everybody just standing around going what happened to the music (laughs) that's interesting that you bring that up while we're talking about cassettes because that was pretty much the only cassette that my parents had uh, the single for uh, American Pie that was a big part of my childhood. It was a tape that I played over and over and over again. And I'd great completely song. forgotten about it until you mentioned it. Hmm. It's a great song. It really is. Don McLean. You got, got tired of it working in the clubs because, you know, you got requested six times a night. Yeah, and it does last pretty much forever. Yeah, <laughs> but it's one of those great, you know, it's, it's, it's a great song you can play as a DJ if you got to go to the bathroom. Just don't do it with the 45. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so boomboxes and Walkman. Boomboxes. Never had a true boombox. What? I mean, I never, I had, I had like the little ones, but I never had like the, you know, the Earth Shaker Ghetto Blaster oh, style yeah, no. ones. Oh, I've had a couple of those. My sister had some. We played, yeah, we used to try to have little music competitions with each other. Did you walk down the street with it on your shoulder, Pat? I don't know if I ever saw anybody ever do that. I did. I may have, but (laughs) may have, but yes, no, but not like as a serious type of thing, just kind of to try it out because I saw people doing it. Yeah, I saw it completely unironically, but we've established in previous episodes. I grew up in a pretty shady area. Yes, I never did it, but I I had. I mean, I had a. My it wasn't really mine; it was my brother's, but I inherited it, and it was uh, it was kind of silvery and shinyish, and it was it was decent size. Um, but it had you know it had a double cassette deck, so I could make my tapes well and i think that's uh one of the reasons why it got its sort of uh probably considered now fairly racist nickname is the ghetto blasters because it was big in both the black and hispanic cultures and it was very instrumental in the rise of early hip-hop well, well yeah and then of course uh the break dancing and the, the any of the street dancing you know you had that portable music so you could go and dance on your street corner or whatever and speaking of boom boxes the very first boom box i owned after mine bit the dust that i had brought from home in college was a gift from certain people that are in this podcast santa no you guys you guys made my whole year that year <laughs> do you guys remember that mm-hmm. yeah I Definitely. still have had that somewhere, I think. Do you really? Yeah, huh. I don't know that it works anymore, but just because it was a gift and, and it means something, I still have it. Yeah. I, I vaguely square. remember this. Oh, did did the floor get it for you? Yeah. Did it was the whole floor the whole floor uh, chipped in. Yep. Okay, that's that's what I thought. We we've established that I also drank quite a bit in those years. So a lot <laughs> of it's just a blur. We put in yep. like probably seventy five percent of it, but the floor put in the rest, yeah. So. Yeah. I just thought I should mention that because it ties in with that. But anyway, you were saying it racist stereotypes. 
Well, I mean, I, I, just the name, being a ghetto blaster, it's kind of insensitive talking about, like, associating it not unjustly, but with poorer neighborhoods because it was so instrumental for early hip-hop. I said racist stereotype. Oh, stereotype, it being a stereotype. Type. <laughs> Sorry. Gotcha. I never witnessed like actual people doing it like you're talking about, Josh. I, I well in Kansas City, I mean, you drove everywhere and there wasn't a whole lot of like you know public didn't have a whole lot of radio Raheems in Kansas City. Well, there wasn't the public transportation wasn't like in Chicago where you had the L train and and you know it was everything so far apart. Maybe a bus, but yeah, I don't remember ever really seeing anybody walking around with them or or it was always in the movies, you know. Yeah, and I lived fairly close to L tracks, so it was not unusual for me to see a group walking around with a ghetto blaster and with a, a piece of linoleum actually under one arm that they'd throw down in the alleys or in the streets to be able to break dance on linoleum their mother was pissed and just a square of linoleum probably like three foot by three foot for being able to head spin and back spin on so, stop yeah. it patrick stop what commenting on photos you're tagged in sorry that what is it <laughs> yes it's coming through the speakers because uh uh my wife's computer has her speakers hi sarah her hi sarah Hey, She's Sarah. Been in bed for like an hour and a half, guys. Oh, Make talk louder. <laughs> so, Walkman's. Yes. Walkman. Yeah, I knew you had one, Mike. I had one. I I had one that had like the. I, I, it's the first one I had and the only one I had because I never, I mean, I took one of the things so bad I took really good care of it. Um, <laughs> it was one that could play that did the cool where it got to the end of the cassette tape and started switch sides automatically <gasps> yeah. and played back. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, that I had one of those. And it had the preset FM radio stations on the switch on the front where you had to open up the door where the cassette was, scroll the little wheel until you found the station, and then that would be station number one. You just had the oh, switch wow. that would slide between stations on there. It was awesome. It was it was great. Uh, two AA batteries and could get like a week's worth of listening out of it. That was and the, but the one like the the golden one that I always wanted was Sony made one that actually could hold two cassette tapes. What? Yeah, it would it would hold you, but but it could record between the two of them. Yeah. Wow. How many turkey carcasses do you have to save up for that? Thing? I don't know. Um, uh, oh God, double cassette deck Walkman. I'm looking this thing up. Um, but yeah, that that Walkman was just the best thing ever. Yeah, mine was straight jank. Like, it was barely bigger <laughs> than the cassette tape itself. It had, like, a big red button for record, and all the other buttons were gray. And I remember the headphones were even worse. They were held together by this little strip of metal that uh, I, I'm surprised it held together at all. Just how I, thin. I think, I think your parents just gave you, like, an actual tape recorder and, like, some janky headphones. I'm pretty sure it was like a garage sale knockoff Walkman. But I mean, I listened to heavy metal for years on that from like 1987 to like 1990. Wow. Tons of rocking went through those headphones. It's true. Yeah. If this Walkman's a rocking, you're probably <laughs> going to hear it through the headphones. Um, and also some Striper. Yeah. <laughs> Hell with the devil. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, anyway. Um, So the, the, the Walkman and later on the other man we'll be talking about those were quite possibly my favorite invention of my lifetime uh, until recently when some other things were invented that I love. But uh, I mean, I, I was never without a, a, a Walkman in some 
some form or another, I had a Walkman on me at all times. And I listened to music any chance I got. I mean, if you look at old pictures of me when I was a kid, you'd see the headphones around my around my uh, neck and the, the you know little cord stringing down to the Walkman. And I went through a couple of them because they I, I wore them out. But man, I always was listening to music anywhere and everywhere I could. Um, and granted, you guys probably wouldn't like all of the music I listened to. That's but, true. Like, everybody, everybody loves Air Supply. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I never went that. Like White Lion or uh, Striper, of course. Children cry. Hey, they had other good songs, too. <laughs> Scandinavian Bastards. Anyway, um, so for me, I mean, that this was like the epitome of the, the greatest invention on the planet. Uh, I just, yeah. Anyway, yeah. next. So... Uh, do we have anything else to say about that? Or are we going to transition from the greatest invention on the planet to the <coughs> mini disc? <laughs> Why does Pat just laugh like a little girl? <laughs> it's okay. Just, just me one, trying one to hold thing. my laugh in. One I more mean, thing about disc. Wait, wait. One more thing about the cassette players. About, okay. about Walkman. The did anybody have like the big show off on how cool your headphones were? What and, do you mean? Like the the hot hand like in let's see there were the the standard ones that came with the machine which either would okay. be like the old the old earbuds or the the big uh, muffin ones. Right. But the one that was like supposed was the big hot one to have when I was in school was oh. so, Sony Fontopias. Do you guys remember those? at all uh, are those the ones that tuck behind your ears yes that the it had like the the cable would go back behind your ear and they came in that cool little circular case that you could wind them up in i know what you're talking about i didn't have oh, it yeah. i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah having fontopias was like the the cool hot thing i never i had like and a members only jacket yeah walkman fontopias and a members only jacket <laughs> and you were set with a parachute pants oh forget it yeah and vans vans Man, and then somebody spills so gasoline on you and all your clothes melt <laughs> Okay. By yourself. Mini anyway. disc. Is that where we're going? Yes. Mike, did you have one of these? I did, but I didn't I, buy I, it. What? I didn't buy it. What? What? I had a mini disc player. I did not get it until, shit, probably not late 90s, like maybe you're, 98. You're like the one guy out of the four of us that I expect to have had, had one. No, didn't have one. I got mine. Never even thought about buying one. I mean, I saw them in the stores and I thought they were cool, but at the point, that point, the price was pretty prohibitive for me because, uh, I mean... Like uh, we have in the notes, like four to eight hundred dollars. Jeez, I mean, yeah, they really were expensive. Yeah, but I will. It. I got mine in a weird way. <laughs> is that my we were having Christmas at my uncle's house and apparently my cousin wanted a MP3 player back when they first started coming out and instead she got a mini disc player and she got all pissy about that and my uncle uh, we were drinking and he decided that I was his favorite nephew and gave me her mini disc player. Oh, I've actually heard you tell that story before. Yeah. But the cool thing about it is that the mini disc player had so many different inputs, you can get amazing sound off of it. Uh, it actually had a um, uh, digital, um, not, not what's it called, that the, uses light instead of, uh, help me, Joel, you're the only person that would know anybody. The, help what, me, Obi-Wan, you're my only help. The, cable, the sound cable uses light instead of... Fiber optic? A fiber optic, yeah, it's like a fiber optic cable input on it that I found out that my cable box actually had a fiber optic audio out cable uh, output on it so i got a hold of one of these cables and would put on there was actually cable radio that we got through the box at the time that i'd put on the radio station start recording go to bed and wake up the next morning and have a whole cassette full of music huh yeah. sounds familiar 
It was pretty, it's pretty damn sweet. I mean, granted, I would never have bought one for myself, but I used one for years, especially after, you know, after you get a hold of one of those, you know, because your car doesn't have a CD player in it because I couldn't afford that. So I had a cassette player and you use that black magic cassette with the wire coming out of it. Yes. I have. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I used one of those for years. It's funny. I never had a mini disc, but my brother had, we never had a player, but my brother had one mini disc, like cassette. Me too. And I don't know if he like, traded it stole it or whatever but i remember seeing the weird little cassette and it was crisscross what? your brother my money's on stole it yeah, yeah. probably stole it uh, uh yeah the little kids with their pants on backwards he had a mini disc tape of crisscross and wow. i don't think out of context had... that's an amazing sentence yeah <laughs> you know some of them try to rhyme but they can't rhyme like them yeah, I'm not, I, uh, I'm, I'm I, not sorry, I had to road. cut away for a minute so I could go to my archive of music behind me. I'm going to send a photo over, but I only have one mini disc. And of all the mini discs to have, it is They Might Be Giants. Oh. That includes, includes Don't Let's Start, Where the Replacements, When It Rains It Snows, and the famous polka. Nice. And it's wow. a picture disc that has a very creepy picture on it. That's so, so much better than crisscross. The kid, the little kid, creepy kids with the pants that hang around there, whatever. Yeah, that was the one that my brother had. That he stole, probably. Yeah. Hmm. See, Joel's caught up. Oh, I was listening. I just had to step away so I could go grab this because it's like perfect. I never thought I'd ever have a reason to talk about this thing. Well, I don't know if you know, but they're the miggity, 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 miggity back. Okay, that was better. Yeah. Anyway. Better than what? <laughs> That's awesome. I, I hope this Better is, is relative. Speaking, speaking of cassettes, there is actually, you remember going to um, Great America and you can record your own karaoke song? Didn't we talk about this with me already, too? Yeah. I've got one of me and s- someone else. Not you guys with doing crisscross somewhere there, out there. Hopefully, there's the yeah. two cassettes of me doing the theme for the monkeys, California Girls, Someday by Glass Tiger, and one other song that I can't remember. <laughs> and it exists. It's behind me somewhere in a box. And you know what? Like looking at your mini disc, Joel, I actually think that uh, my memory is flawed. I actually think my brother had it on an even lamer format than mini disc. I think he had crisscross on DAT tape. Whoa. Whoa. Digital audio tape. Because looking at it, uh, I'm pretty sure that it was a little cassette, not a little disc. Hmm. You know what? I th- DAT players still are pretty kind of being used, I think. Yeah. No, they are. Do they make you jump? Jump. <laughs> well, Daddy Mac will make you jump. Jump. Chris Cross will make you. I think it's time to go to the break. We'll talk about modern things. Maybe. Yeah, I'm modern full of uh, piss and vinegar. What? Oh. <gasps> we'll be back, folks. Take a cassette out of its case, and most people just see an empty box. But Sony saw something quite different. Sony introduces the only cassette player as small as a cassette case. The incredible sounding Super Walkman. Welcome back. We're back. We're better. We're back to talk about more music media. Yeah, I don't know about better, but we're back. We're back. Yeah, I'm still working on that Star Trek the motion picture joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, we've gone past cassettes. We've gone past mini-disc players. Now we're coming up on to... Compact discs. Yeah. Or now, CDs, this, as the kids call them. The CDs. Now, it debuted 1983. 
Yeah, so we're going a little bit back, but uh, we if you've listened to a few episodes of the show, you know that our format is uh, we bullshit a little bit, and then we talk about the then. Then we have a very short break. Uh, it's longer for us than it is for you. And then we come <laughs> back and we talk about now. Well, I mean, CDs are something that is still enjoyed now in terms of like physical media that uh, isn't just a file that exists on a computer or a player. CDs are still the most popular. Yeah, they they are. I mean, you're not going to see. I mean, everyone's been predicting the CDs disappearing for a while. And has it happened? No, no. They're not going to disappear if vinyl's not going to disappear. I mean, well, yeah, they're not going to disappear because vinyl. But remember, also, it's another recordable media that people can. So it's still easy to carry around, and they're still making cars with CD players in them. You're not. You very rarely are going to find a car that doesn't have a uh, cd player in it though you're finally in the last couple of years starting to see uh like mini jack aux inputs and connections uh, usb connections my car actually has both uh has a usb jack uh with a cd player and uh a mini jack input hmm. i've seen them with the um well my my car's got bluetooth with an aux on there and the other car isn't that weird point in time where you can get cars with cd players but not aux inputs oh that's awkward yeah so i can only play cds i have no aux input i don't even have have the weird cassette tape thing that i could uh that i could add in there so well and i think this is the point where you could get uh the digital format down to a reasonable enough file size that they could put it onto some sort of portable physical media at a rate where it made sense for both the consumer to buy it and for the company to start pressing them like crazy. Mm-hmm. And and kind of like, you know, records back in the day when they first came out, you only the only way you could use them was what came out from the companies and stuff and what was produced, you know, pr- uh, professionally. And then after a couple of years, you know, somebody, you know, figured out how to make them recordable and, you know, then they just took off cuz once again you could start making mixtapes, you just made mix CDs. Right. Mhm. You yeah, any, the, you couldn't do that at the beginning. Yeah, any of the audio is uh, basically transferred into the format using a process that they call the uh, Red Book standard, which is uh, just a standard uh, for. Of course, named after the women's magazine. What? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> that's a thing. Hell. <laughs> yes, Patrick. Yes, let's let's just say yes, and maybe he won't. Maybe he'll stop. <laughs> discovered by the Germans. <laughs> Red Book discovered by the Germans. <laughs> So yeah. So yeah, favorite CDs. I mean, I I know we all own them. Well, first time I ever saw a CD was in high school, and there was a somebody brought in it. I think it was like a Tom Jones CD for some weird reason or another. What? I know. I. Blum, blum. <laughs> it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. What's crank new, Busquet? Um, <laughs> crank it up, man. No, uh, it was it, it was something, and there was that whole theory that you can do anything you wanted to these discs, and they would not scratch. You could play oh, that's them. Not true. No, I, I always heard it was break more than scratch. But yes, yeah. So s- some of the guys in in school decided that they were going to attempt to see if they could scratch it. So they took it to the top of the fourth floor and <laughs> dropped it lengthwise down the stairwell and it hit on its edge and shattered <laughs> then a good buffer won't fix yeah and they're like oh and of course you hear the one go that's my dad's son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no that's not true yeah one of my favorite cds was actually purchased accidentally really 
Yeah, n- not by me though. Uh, I got really into the music of Queen in general, and between my brother and I, we owned all of their albums. Well, apparently, at one point, he accidentally picked up the album Queensrÿche Empire, thinking it was another Queen album he didn't own. It's your brother Jay. No, it just I mean, totally this, sounds this like was something a Jay couple would do. years before we met, and I, a big imp, uh, impact on the music we listened to in college was because my brother accidentally bought that CD because he his didn't bro- like it. His brother was probably high out of his mind. Probably <laughs> he didn't like it, but the first time I listened to it, it reminded me of Shadowrun. So uh, that's why it became such a mainstay in those early Shadowrun games. Yep. Uh, is basically because, yeah, my brother, probably high out of his mind, uh, bought the CD thinking it was Queen and gave it to me because he hated it. Was Made it a mistake. Operation Mindcrime or? Yeah. No, that was Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, it's, second it's, album. It's kind of like the time, it's kind of like the time he sent him out to get strawberries and he came back with straws. <laughs> and Barry White. What? Yeah. Anyway, um, well, I, I mean, I've, I've so, so many freaking CDs. It's not even funny. And, uh, You're right. I, it's not. I help you move those fuckers. It's not funny. No. <laughs> um, and they're still growing. The first CD I ever bought was by a band called I Napoleon. The first CD I ever saw was, uh, well, and the second CD I bought was Pearl Jam's 10. Um, and the, t- I mean, to this day, I still own all the CDs I ever bought and I love them all, but I don't know if a favorite, like you mean just in at all? Oh, I don't know about a favorite. Something that has an interesting story. Like Mike and I each had one. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the I Napoleon disc, I think, just because it's the first one, and the reason I bought it, and that really made the transition to CDs, was that I really loved that on cassette, and I bought it on cassette, and I listened to it a lot, and it's one of those weird bands that not a lot of people know about. Um, towards the end of the hair metal craze, it was right before the kind of transition, because I remember distinctly at the Sound Warehouse, the record store that was in Kansas City that I would go to sometimes, they had on the same rack, they had Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, and Pearl Jam's 10, and they had it on vinyl and, and CD on both formats for both albums. But anyway, I remember picking up I Napoleon, and I'm like, oh, it's on CD, cool, and I flipped it over, and it had a bonus track, and oh, nice. I had never heard of such a thing. I was like, well, you get an extra song that's not anywhere else? And I realized that CDs were magical because you could get bonus <laughs> tracks. And if you bought import like singles, almost like singles, CD singles, um, they had sometimes whole other little EPs of songs that you couldn't get here. And that started a whole new thing with me. Um, so well, remember, yeah. remember when you found the hidden track on the X Files soundtrack CD? It's it's all about the the extra stuff that you can get. I don't, but thank you, Pat, for reminding me of something that I totally forgot. What's the extra song? Oh, cause remember, um, in the liner notes, it, it just randomly off to the, like in the margin said sometimes, you know, zero is a number two or something like that. And so when you put the CD in and it's tried to play track one, if you hit rewind, it would, it would, spl- it flashed to track zero, zero, and it played a, a, a hidden track. It would play automatically if you know that. It's crazy. Some of the stuff that you would find if you listen to, or like at the end of tools, um, Wow, crap. What's the name of that album? It has the whole thing about let the rabbits wear glasses. You know, the whole weird thing that Maynard does. Anyway, I love CDs. The end. Next. <laughs> yeah, I just remember when we discovered together the extra track on, I can't remember which Stone Temple Pilots album it was, but it's in a totally different style, like an Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, that's on, on purple. Yeah, that is, I think it is on purple where they're like, 10 precious melodies to listen. Yeah. <laughs> the second album. 
Exactly. There are some other things that people want to be doing with. You're talking about like the secret tracks, Joel? Yeah, anything hidden on the CDs. Um, For a short while, TSR made Choose Your Own Adventure books on CD. I have one of them. It's Night of the Werewolf or Night of the Vampire or something like that, where it would be you'd, you would have voice actors read off a whole scene, and then at the end of it, it would be like, if you want to do this, go to track 23. If you want to do this, go to track 14. You know, And you would jump around the CD back and forth, and you would play that. Like See, I said we were going to jump around, yeah. Yeah, we're all over the place. I mean, <laughs> well, you were talking about hidden stuff and like weird things people do on CDs. I mean, I just thought that was something. I thought it was cool. Well, yeah. that, terrible. Take, but. That, that takes me back then just a bit to the old uh, read-along records that they had when we were kids, where, you know, beep, and you'd turn the page in the book. Sounds kind of similar, but I think that's a cool concept that I'm, I get maybe why it didn't catch on, but it's a nice, neat, neat way to use the format because if you're just doing little, you know, minute long segments of dialogue or even less, you could fit, God, 74 minutes worth of, uh, you know, story if you did it right. Right. Yep. Now, when it comes to playing your CDs, uh, from all the way back in 1984, you've got the CD version of the Walkman, which was the Discman. Now, this is something that I didn't actually <laughs> own. Pat's Discman until, starting up. That was not me. Uh, yeah, I didn't own one of these until probably the mid-2000s. But I do remember when they uh, first came out and uh, they had their uh, redesigned Walkman logo. Uh, I mm-hmm. assume some of you guys had one of these. Discord? Yeah, I had one of the early versions that you know skipped a lot. If you were, if you yeah, were they didn't have that oversampling or whatever they call it, ten right, X oversampling or whatever. Yeah, I had one again that you could played great music, and it took like six batteries, four six batteries. Yeah, usually usually four, but sometimes yeah. the bigger ones were six. Yeah, I so, re- go ahead, talk. Oh, I was going to say I remember it would have been. Hold on, let me. Uh, I gotta get. I can get the exact year here in just a second. Uh, the second album, one twelve dozen melody, one dozen. I don't know. Um, okay, <laughs> here it was. What just happened? It, I, I was trying to remember what year it was. So this would have been probably ninety four, maybe. Um, I was at my grandma's house, and we always celebrate Christmas at my grandma's house in Nebraska. And there was two things I asked for for Christmas. I want. I wanted a disc man and I wanted uh, transmissions from the satellite heart by the flaming lips on CD. Those are my two requests. And I, that's the only thing I got that year, but I got both things. And Joel wants flaming lips. You got some sort of I disease. I didn't ask my grandma for them. <laughs> so I need something for my grandson's flaming lips. <laughs> you got naked David Lee Roth. Anyway. Oh. We just celebrated it at Ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. He's got flaming lips. <laughs> and I I remember sitting there on Christmas Day after everybody had kind of dispersed, after the, all the gift giving had ended, opened up my disc, ma'am, put in my, my how many batteries it took, popped in the flaming lips, transmissions from the satellite heart, and just was completely blown away by just how layered the sound was and how much was going on and how amazing it sounded. And so from my never stop wearing my Walkman to my disc, man, I made the transition from one to the other. And... Man, that that to me, if you want to talk about favorite discs, that's one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite CDs to own um, mm. for that exact reason, for the Discman. Nice. <laughs> Anybody else have a Discman story? Oh, first one I listened to was the uh, Conan the Destroyer soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> Interesting choice. <laughs> Dude, get out the Conan the Destroyer soundtrack. <laughs> 
It's funny. That's probably the third CD I listened to in Pat's presence. Are you yeah. serious? <laughs> it was pr- it was big, like for us, just like as roommates, even because like I-, I think you pretty much had Steve Miller Band. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Phil. Then <laughs> my grandpa. Then maybe like the Doors. Yeah. And then probably, yeah, Conan the Destroyer. And Meatloaf. Oh, yeah, Meatloaf, yeah. Wow, that's so funny. I'm trying to think of their, their, what else was in the mix. Because they might be giants hadn't made it to us yet at that point. Well, well it had made it to me, but I, I'd probably already seen them live a couple times. But we hadn't quite converted you yet. No. God, I, rem- I remember listening to um, <clears throat> Tool and Pantera in Chris Toma's room when we were when Jeffrey's Appendix was just starting out. Was it on Journey? CD. Journey? Oh, no. Wait. Ooh. Uh, For our international listeners, uh, Jeffrey's Appendix is a band Joel was in. Not not a band you just haven't heard of. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that was when um, I I had the apartment and I had that six CD changer and we'd all just hang out at the six the standard six CDs we'd listen to. Journey sounds like it could have been something. I'm trying to think of. I'm imagining Jay listening to music with us and trying to remember for was, some reason. Was it sticks? No, I don't I remember either of those in there because no, I know yeah, that I, I can't remember. Yeah, I it built. Might, it it might have been Empire. A couple of years later, I took one of the because I thought that that CD player was so badass. I can't remember how many CDs you could fit in that auto changer. But I can recall that I put together a mix that I listened to so much that you guys uh, were actually like angry because I'd put it in and I'd just listen to it and zone out and play uh, like Final Fantasy or whatever. Yep. You guys were sick of all six CDs. <laughs> I think we like, discussed that on another show, too. Actually. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think it was like uh, A Night at the Opera, Bare Naked Ladies Gordon, uh, Queensryche Empire, uh... Oh, that sounds on there. Did you? No, no. Uh, don't turn around was. Oh, Ace of Base. Ace of Base was in there, <laughs> and Green Day's Dookie were definitely <laughs> in that mix. Yeah. It was a weird ass mix, but I liked it because it was so different and all over the place. Like, yeah, you. that was the CD player I had. That it had the the cartridges that you could load up, and so like the goal was, you know, you'd never even touch your CDs again. You just put the label on which one was in each cartridge, and you'd have like six CDs set, you know, in whatever style you wanted all the time. You know, just keep popping the cartridges in and out. Hmm. Awesome. Yep. I almost so, bought one that held five hundred CDs and put them all in one big thing, but I never bought that. So are we ready to move on to the era of the MP3? The yes. who? No, not not the who. <laughs> the what? We, yeah. We <laughs> All right. So the MP3, they were working on for years, but really they didn't get super big until about 1995. Once they started to get out on the Internet and uh, you had the a particular piece of software, which I know I used, which is the audio player Winamp. Yep. Oh, yeah. Still around with yep, the llama. 19- you remember all the weird skins you could have for Winamp? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it is still, I mean, it is it is still around. Yeah. Mike, Mike had the still. alien one, I think, didn't you? Yep. yep. I think mine was called a Razor. I think mine was the Commando one. <laughs> <laughs> the Commando one. <laughs> oh, jeez. It should have been. And it's weird, like, I don't remember the first MP3 I downloaded. I'm certain I didn't pay for it. But I remember one of the earlier MP3s I downloaded, I actually was on a dial-up connection to uh, download Dance Magic from the Labyrinth soundtrack by David Bowie. Yeah, I'm, David I'm Bowie, sticking man. by that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember um, in the early days of Napster. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, when, I, when I was downloading music <clears throat> and 
I typed in looking for Matthew Sweet, you know, uh, girlfriend. You know the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all I did was type "sweet girlfriend." Uh -oh. <laughs> all kinds of porn popped up, and I was just like, "Really?" <laughs> and you never and, downloaded it. And Matthew that Sweet. was life changing. So. <laughs> yeah, so he forgot completely about music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that explains it. Been spanking it ever since. You have a monkey? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember from Napster, which I never used, to uh, Kazaa. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kazaa. LimeWire. LimeWire. Oh, that was dangerous. Yeah, because that was when uh, you'd definitely find, like, poisoned files. Mm. Yeah, that was dangerous. Never got to LimeWire. I used Kazaa, and I wound up hating people that would, like, rename things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand the point of that at all. Well. Yeah. Just trolling, yeah. Well, that and and not to get busted, but um, I remember, and this will this will be telling when I and I'm not going to divulge any names here, but w when I was working for downtown, Pat Patrick knows at the uh, the internet company. We'll just call it that. You got me the job there, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Um, the company I, where they make internets? They made the <laughs> internet there. Yes, I remember distinctly. Um, everybody there had Napster. And so I got Napster and I remember listening to music on Napster, uh, at work and downloading music to my computer at work, listening to Napster. And that was like a thing. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't any of this whole copyright stuff hadn't happened yet in the whole. And as soon as that happened, of course, that put an end to it. But I, I very vividly remember that. Yeah, I'm thinking this is the coolest it, thing ever. We pretty much had it on every computer. It was like one of the standard programs that came installed on it when you got you know, a computer from IT. It's we craziness. were a cool, hip internet startup company, which is still around and is yep. quite large now. Yep. Well, part of it is anyway, but right. And yeah. I don't know if anybody but me got into the whole MP3 CD thing. What do you mean? Well, I've, MP3 CDs, whether that's uh, just burning them to a CD-ROM, but actually having a player. This is when I got my Discman, and I actually also got a boombox that could both do this. And I think I still have the boombox that has MP3 CD capability, but the Discman yeah, is long where you, broken. Where you could just copy MP3s onto a CD and, and it would play them. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, they yeah, used yeah, I had one of those. Yeah. the other format, uh, the yellow book format, as opposed to the red book that we were talking about earlier. That was invented by the Chinese. Oh, Jesus. Whoa. Hey, that's um, a little racist. And hey. for ladies to read. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember just uh, making uh, my own mixtapes, being able to burn MP3s onto the various CDs, and I could encode them using my burner as either normal CDs or as just MP3 CDs. And you could fit a whole lot more songs on an MP3 CD. Huh. Yep. Cause you could, I mean, I remember I got like 150 songs on one once. Yeah. Yep. For road trips in my car, I remember having the whole like tape adapter to my little portable mini disc that had our uh, disc man that had MP3 CD capability. And we'd just listen like all the way to Gen Con from Chicago or all the way to Origins from Chicago. Just be able to listen to one CD. So starting off with the MP3 players, they had remember the old um, not Arcos, Nook uh, Creative. What? Nook Creative. Yeah, the uh, creative, the, they used the memory cards that were like credit card sized, super flat. I forgot. That was my first MP3 player. It was a Noah Diamond. Okay, I vaguely remember Diamond Audio because I was pretty late to the iPod thing too. Yeah, it was a Diamond Rio? <laughs> I mean, that was a band. Yeah, that was that was also the name of the 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 MP3 player too. Um, uh, that was the name of an MP3 player. Yeah, uh, it's the name of a band. Uh, whoa, weird. We should uh, do an Alzheimer's show. <laughs> knock knock. 
Well, and the iPod and the portable MP3 player wasn't all that big until like three years after it came out because the first iPods were only compatible with Macs. Mm -hmm. So they were expensive. uh, And until you got away from that Apple-only kind of walled garden format, which, of course, is where the podcast whole thing started as radio Mm -hmm. shows that you listen as an MP3 on a iPod. Yeah, where the name came from. Yep. They were pretty heavy, too, first-generation iPods. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Yeah. Well, because they had all freaking hard drive in there. Exactly. (laughs) Before, I mean, that's what you were literally carrying around at the very beginning was a hard drive. I mean, and that's why they went janky on you so much, because you jostle that thing, you know, and the reader gets knocked out of alignment. Well, there you go. You got a, you know, $400 paperweight. Yep. I still have an old 20 gig sitting in a drawer somewhere that I bought from a guy for like four bucks after it had, it had the software had crapped out on him. Yeah, I have a box full of old technology somewhere that has my first generation. Yeah, he um, this was like second or third generation, like right before they started going full digital. Uh, it still had the hard drive in there, but this guy I worked with, he he's like, oh, I got a little frowny face on my iPod. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, he's he's I'm gonna go buy a new one. Well, I don't know what to do with this. I'll I'll take it. He goes, well, how much you pay me for it? I'm like, well, it's twenty gig, so I'll give you like four or five bucks. You know, if you're not going to do it, then I brought it home, plugged it into my computer, and reformatted it. Then I had a MP3 player. Nice. Yeah. Totally took advantage of that guy. But that's not nice. But... I got an iPod out of it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I can remember the year that uh, finally both, I think it was for Christmas gifts for ourselves, uh, the wife and I went to eBay to get uh, iPods. And uh, she got an iPod mini after they'd been out for a couple of years. And I got, I think it was a second generation iPod shuffle. Just this little, uh, no screen, uh, just the same size as the clip that you could clip it to your clothes. Hmm. And it had the wheel and you could either play the songs in order, like alphabetically, numerically, or you could have it on permanent shuffle, which is was fine for me. I Ended up using it as a uh, workout thing. It definitely replaced my uh, mini or my disc man. Do you remember, this is more aimed at Josh, um, Squaresoft made a game for the uh, iPod that used a scroll wheel that actually tapped into the songs that were on your iPod and would give them, there were like some sort of algorithm that gave them different ratings and strengths. So you can actually. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it was kind of a Tamagotchi kind of game. Kind of. It was more like, you know, like you have a, a grid strategy type game where you would have to choose your characters and you would, um, more, more like Monster Rancher. Oh, uh, okay. That you need makes a new sense. hero, choose a song, and then it's like, air supply? What the hell? Um, <laughs> but no, I remember that. I had that on the, uh, on the iPod too. And that was a goofy little fun game that used that, especially for like you and me, if you have like music that's all over the place, you can yeah. get some really cool stuff out of there. Well, my first MP3 player would have been I bought a I bought a 60 gigabyte fifth generation iPod and probably would have been about 2006. And that was my very first. And I still have it. I still use it. I haven't upgraded or changed um, because I filled it up with maybe like a fifth of my music collection. Um, and then with doing podcasts and, and all the music I was getting through there, it just I couldn't hold it all. So I locked in a set playlist of the things that I listened to the most, took everything else that I was getting and set it aside on my computer or my hard drive. And then I just rotate out the stuff I want to listen to on my phone until they create a, like a terabyte iPod. I'm, I'm not changing, especially since it still works, but 
Yeah, it's funny though. I don't still have the original. I still have my second generation uh, iPod Shuffle charger plugged into my PC now, even though I can't tell you when the last time I used the player was. I know the reason I ended up having to get another one is because I left it in a pocket. It was so small and I washed it, just destroyed it. And then I immediately bought another one because it was essential uh, for I, I was doing pretty heavy weightlifting at the time. I was doing powerlifting training and uh, got another one like second day shipped and damned if within three days I didn't fucking wash it again. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, it survived uh, this time. Like I immediately made sure it was turned off, threw it into a like a dish full of rice and just didn't try to turn it on for three or four days. But that's the one I still have now, even though I probably haven't used it in a year and a half. I'm trying to figure out what anything out here that has the biggest memory for Joel. I can't find anything I, that's. I, I've just I've set I've set set my uh, I've dug my heels in because I've had several instances where I've considered buying you know the whatever the 120 gigabyte or 160 I forget what the biggest one is that iPod or that Apple makes. Um, but it's just, it's not worth it. So until, until it's out there, I'm not carrying around a hard drive with me, like a legitimate hard drive. So it'll happen eventually. Eventually. Yeah. And that's the thing is you get comfortable with a particular model. Like there was nothing exactly like my iPod, even though I think the biggest size they ever made mine in was like two gig. I just didn't want another one and it never got replaced until I started moving all of my music over to my phone. And if you're just using it for working out, I mean, the fact that it only holds like an hour's worth of music is more than enough. Well, and that's the thing is you can get in two gigs, you can get a lot more than an hour's worth of music. Yeah, that's true. But it's, my point being, it's perfect for working out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not really an Apple guy, but I love my iPod. I, I feel exactly the same way. It's like iTunes has been a uh, great thing for our show here as 40 going on 14. But for music, for me, had it always been sort of a necessary evil. Oh, I, I stopped using I, I don't I don't use iTunes anymore. When whenever I updated or started using my iPod and eventually, you know, like I said, formatted it to just have one set list of songs and just left it. I, I wasn't using iTunes anymore to do that. I just I couldn't stand it. It drove me nuts. Interesting. I hate it. But I love my iPod. I love the way it feels. I love the way it works. And uh, otherwise, it's all Samsung. So I don't know for me. I pretty much do music off my phone now. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's either uh, we're already starting to transition into talking about the move away from even MP3s and MP3 players towards streaming audio. That I do have MP3s mm -hmm. on my phone, but I also have Pandora. And uh, I listen to both. Yeah, and uh, I have Pandora and XM both on my. Phone. Yeah, I've got, I use Amazon. Um, we have Amazon Prime, and they have a free music streaming service if you have Prime on there, and, and free like mix. Like if you want a workout mix, you can go on their playlist site, and you can just click download a playlist. So that's pretty sweet. I mean, I I like it because um, you know if you're only have a phone with like my phone only has 16 gig. And a lot of that's in apps, and a lot of that's in you know just data, but not music. But if I can stream it, I don't have to worry about having to having to have room for all that music. You know, like Joel, like you said, I don't have to worry about having a terabyte phone because that way I can just stream whatever I want. And you can flag, you know, your you can make your playlist and still be able to stream your playlist. Now, if it also depends on your signal, you know how well how well your signal strength is. But nowadays with the buffering, you can get a good stream going you can keep it going for a long time yeah but man does it chew through the data 
Like audio, <clears throat> the only thing that is a bigger data hog than Pandora is YouTube, which I found myself using both a- at the PC or when I'm connected to Wi-Fi. Hey, I don't even think about it. Heck, I've sometimes used YouTube as a music player. Yeah, I've done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, there's a... Is there a, there's a, there's something that you can get on uh, Android now that you can keep playing YouTube after the screen turns off. Huh. Yeah, because wow. I think now it's like you have to have the screen on to be able to listen to YouTube. Now they have a thing where if, you, if you're if you rooted, you can have a, a, ex, I forget, a module, exposed module that'll let you uh, turn off the, sh- turn off the uh, screen and still be able and to play. By the way, I, I, there's a, there's another music player that is uh, eats up more data than anything I've ever seen. It's the XM app. Um, I found out after using it for a while, um, getting an $800 phone bill for going over my data limits. Jeez. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be using that anymore. <laughs> Who do you wow. have? AT&T. Oh, well, then, see, we got Sprint. And I was in the middle of Arkansas using my... Uh, Using my hotspot, so there's your problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and <laughs> listening to XM radio, and yeah, not. Yeah, we've got Sprint, so we've got the as far as you know, it still is uh, unlimited data on it. So I'm like, stream all I want, man. It's, they'll make more. Sure. I I guess I'm maybe a stalwart or a holdout or whatever, but the cloud, the streaming audio, the all that stuff, just I I can't. I haven't made the transition, and I don't I don't really want to. But I said that about MP3 too, and you know, here I am 10 years CDs. later. What's that? You were, you were hesitant about CDs too. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, everything for me, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to think that I'm stuck in a certain part of, but our phase, but I don't know something about, and again, I'll probably 10 years down the road, I'll be like, I don't know why I'd ever said that, but the whole idea of just having it out there somewhere in the ether just kind of, I don't know, it weirds me out for some reason. And FLAC, I noticed you had FLAC listed here, FLAC files. Those freak me out. I don't understand them. And I don't, I don't get what their purpose is. Well, they're using uh, their bigger file sizes, but their compression algorithm is completely lossless. It's the same quality as you'd get off of the CD. Mm-hmm. So if you are like a hardcore audiophile that has like all the best equipment, and really cares about sound quality, and is very picky, FLAC is probably for you. Because the way that they, the way they make MP3s, the reason that you can get you know so many songs on a small device is they basically take all your your tracks and jam them together or cut them out all together to make the, the sound. And they and they try to just manufacture the sound without the richness, and that's why like there's generations of kids out there that are never going to hear songs, you know, the way they're supposed to be heard because they only listen to them through their iPod. Which I fucking love my iPod. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it really if you if you really want to listen to your music right, it isn't the way to do it. Yeah, it's not optimal, right? Hmm. But when you're in your car and you're somebody like me, that's a very mood based music listener. um, To have you know between my phone and and my iPod, I've got. I don't know, 30, 40,000 songs or something. Yeah, to, like that. To, to be able to have your whole library of music in your in the palm of your hand is pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, if I'm like, oh, I want to listen to this song. Oh, crap, now I want to listen to this song. And sometimes I'll just put it on shuffle and I'll, I'll until I get to a song that I want to listen to. And I'll, I mean, I'll listen to each one, but I'll get to the one and I'll be like, oh, that's what I want. And I'll just go find that album that's already on the iPod or on my phone and, and away I go. And it used to be back in the day, I'd have a giant ass thing full of cassettes or CDs. And it'd be the same theory, but with only 20 or 30, you know, choices. So I don't know. I can't, I can't knock that. I know my sister is a huge, she's, she's a, she doesn't like MP3s at all and still doesn't uh, for the exact reason you're talking about. I mean, she's a, being a musician and an, and an audiophile that she is, you know, I, I get it, but 
there's something to be said about having your uh, that many songs in the palm of your hand at any given moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I think when it comes to the streaming audio s- services, one of the big benefits for me was it was a lot easier for me to discover music I was previously unaware of. Uh, when you've got something like a Spotify or a Pandora, it's very simple. It's mainstream music. You put in what you like and you thumbs up or thumbs down and they try stuff that they think shares characteristics with the music you already like. Right. Uh, the one that really did it for me, though, was the 61, which uh, unfortunately is not as well supported from a technical standpoint as it was when it launched a few years back. True the story. S- the 61 is like Pandora, but for unsigned artists. Yep. And because I spent so much time on the 61, I was listening to Fitz and the Tantrums, who are freaking everywhere right now. I was listening to them two and a half years ago. See, and that's one of the sites that I, I use for my show. Um, I'll between that and Music Alley, and I don't promote the 61 the same way, but that's my secondary music source for my show for that exact reason. So I'm with you, and you're right about what you just said about him. Yeah, I mean, I I discovered Jonathan Colton first through even before uh, doing the portal still alive. I discovered him first through the 61. Uh, I think the 61 is also responsible for the first time I ever bought an MP3 was actually buying credits on the 61. I, I own, I don't know, seven or eight songs and I think a whole album just through that site. If anybody's interested, it's T H E S I X T Y W O W. No, 61, the 61. Spell it out. It's not the number.com. <laughs> not, it's not as difficult as Joel makes it. T Y O N E. Dot com. Holy crap. It's, it's for me, it's, I, it's been a long day, dude. Shut up. Uh, I've ruined I just like that. how you like, like, I'm going to be helpful to spell it out. And, it just, <laughs> and then you put in a nine and an upside down R and You're then figure that one out. Is it knock, knock, Pat, and shut a, up. And a Batman symbol. <laughs> and I think there's some sort of creature hieroglyphic. I don't know. So anyway. I'm sure we didn't hit every single streaming site and we didn't hit every single device that you can play music on. Maybe we missed your favorite. Uh, if we did miss your favorite, uh, send us an email at uh, 40go14 at gmail.com or shoot us a tweet at 40go14. Mm-hmm. You can also call us, leave a voicemail at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you're looking for more of our older shows, I'll uh, maybe go back to episode one and try and catch up uh you can find us on itunes we're on blueberry stitcher and talk shoe also at our home on the web at www.fortygo14.com i actually think to get some of the earliest shows where maybe the audio quality isn't so good uh but we have some funny stuff like uh, some of our first inside jokes are in those first couple of shows uh i don't think you can get them on itunes anymore i think you gotta maybe go to our site Oh, you can go to Talk Shoe. They're on there, too. Yeah. Oh, Blueberry, okay, cool. Blueberry yeah. the whole the whole category is there. So. All right. What do we got on tap for next week, guys? <laughs> next week. I, <laughs> go ahead, Pat. I don't, no, I get say, it out I'm of your system. Somebody, somebody's going to call in You know, after listening to the show and be like, I can't believe you didn't talk about the Zune. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, we right. didn't talk about the Zune. <laughs> so for Kevin David Hamster Speaker from the Undercover Unitards, yes, the Zune exists. Yes, we know you prefer it over any other musical mp3 device but it sucks the now, Simpsons now you don't need to call in did it right by parroting it and yes the end i'd forgotten zune existed and i i worked in a like GameStop kind of place i worked <laughs> in like a game crazy and we sold them well no in theory we would have sold them if anyone wanted one <laughs> well that, that was that, that 
it's almost exactly like when I worked at Gamers Paradise, um, the, the the one game that I forgot completely about the game system, and somebody mentioned it in, in, in passing. You know, the 3DO. Remember that? Oh my oh, god! Oh yeah. And I was like, oh my god! I used to sell those at Game. <laughs> Wow. I always felt guilty when I talk somebody into buying one of those. So You're what do we guy. have on uh, tap for next week, guys? Next week, Kid Stars, Then and Now, yes, the winners. We're going to have to cut that topic into two shows, the the train wrecks and the successes. Yep. Uh, so, But next week, we're going to be looking at those who done good. Yep, those uh, child stars that uh, are not in rehab. Yes. <laughs> right, and are not dead. <laughs> Ooh. That got dark. Really. That's going to be the third episode. <laughs> so we'll have successes, failures, and dead. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. We'll have a whole episode on different strokes, basically. Yikes. <laughs> I think that's I mean, about who's it. The good, who's yeah. the good one? I don't... I... Conrad Bain? <laughs> yeah, probably. He's still alive, so he's, he's still holding out. <laughs> he's got to be like 130. <laughs> He's still I, holding the candle for the show. How old is Conrad? <laughs> yeah, everyone's Bain. rushing. Uh, okay, he died in 2013. Never so died. he's not still alive. But well, like, he, that was just he, last year. He lived from 1923 to 2013. He looks like a leather slipper. Hey. He, he looks like a shoe. Don't diss on Mr. Drummond. He looks like an eagle detective. Uh, you know, it takes the good, it takes the bad. Jacob the facts of life. Oh, yeah. It tied yeah. in. No. It was a I was going with you. Anyway, I don't know where we're going with this. All right, don't so. move to the beat of just one drum. That's the one you're looking for. That's the one. There you go. <laughs> and Mr. Horton's bike shop. All right. And good night. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Doing the glitter pills. <clears throat> glitter pills. Yeah. yeah. The little capsules that you can eat. It doesn't work. Supposedly put sparkles in your poo. But it doesn't work. Doesn't. No, because break we, them up when you eat them, chew them. No, we we did it. We did it for the show, and we reported back on it, and it didn't. It didn't work. Like, Not for anybody. Nope. Maybe you oh. didn't take enough of them. Oh, we took. Uh, I think we had twenty each. Oh, jeez. What? That can't <laughs> be healthy. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Maybe it's just coming down the pipe. You're each gonna shit a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs>